This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Five minutes. Oh, it is so good to be here. We love Chuck and Tammy. They, they've just been lifelong friends. You know, it's, it's something about... There's a lot of friends that you have, but then there's also some of those friends that have been a part of your journey. I mean, they, they, know, they know your stuff, and you, you sign a pack so they don't share about your stuff, and make sure that you keep that. But well, we're going to jump into the Word, and we're just going to get on in it. Uh, the message this morning is rebellious teenagers and how to cut them out of your will. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. I'm honored that my kids are here with me. That's why I'm joke, joking. Brittany, Brady, and Anna, and not only that, but my in-laws... Papa John and, and Mama Joe were here, and, and we're honored that they are, but that I've got to put a disclaimer now that all the examples I'm sharing are just hypothetical now. They're just hypothetical. No, I, I was praying when Ch- I told him we're coming in because this is a time of family. You know, Thanksgiving next week, all the way up into uh, Christmas, and it can be an amazing time, but... We also have to give some margin to each other. I, I taught a message last week about how to avoid the holiday headaches because sometimes we, we run into the season. And my makeup, man, I'm, I'm in extreme positive, extreme futuristic, and, and, and life is a party, and, and it's very difficult to get me down. But at the same time, we have to take into consideration, you realize that most families, almost 50% of families are, are getting to be blended families. So we have to give some margin. I, I say the loyalty... And, and also for the loss. I mean, in the loyalty, we have to make sure that as, as kids are going to one house and this house and that grandparent and that grandparent, giving them permission to enjoy and have fun, uh, giving them permission uh, and, and honoring somebody that may not be honoring you, but you're honoring them that will be caught within the kids. Also for loss. Sometimes we're running into the holiday season. We are so thrilled for, for just the fun and getting together. But this is also a tough time for some because of family members that are not here with us. Friends that are not here. This, they're not going to be here this Thanksgiving. We're not going to get a phone call. We're not going to see them at Christmas time. And we need to give margin. We need to, you know, the Bible is very clear. So we don't have to have the hopelessness as the world does. And, and I think we need to put it in perspective. That, that healthy balance of understanding... They're not here. We can't hug. We can't hold. We can't have that moment. But the Bible is very clear in Hebrews that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I see our loved ones, our friends that have gone on are saying, listen, listen, I'm glad that I missed to, to agree. I know you love me, but run the race that is set before you. Time is so precious. The Bible says it's like a vapor. Anybody realize it's like a vapor? Summer's gone. Here we are into fall. It's another year that's going to come and go. But we need to be taking advantage of every opportunity. Well, we came in, we came in town a little bit early uh, because we had a wedding, a family member yesterday. It was so gorgeous. It was outdoor and we were freezing, but it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, and I love the words that were spoken over Rachel as well. This is our, our cousin, huge family on my wife's side. And uh, the pastor that was marrying said, we wondered who this individual would ever be that she was going to marry because her, her, her bar was set so high because she never looked to get a date. She only looked to serve the Lord and was wondering who would come alongside. I think that's a message right there. We probably would just stop with some of our teenagers. Don't, don't be run after an individual. Run after the Lord and you wait for somebody who catches up with you and your chase for the Lord and things are going to be okay. All right, thanks for coming. Glad to be here. All right, 
Like the great prophet or the wise men said, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there and we're going to do what they say can't be done. I think that's Churchill who said that. Or maybe that was smoking the bandit. All right, well, uh, at the wedding yesterday, I, I was praying, Father, what do you want me to share? Time is precious. And, and I have a slideshow about my family and the kids. And No, I'm kidding. Time is precious. So, Father, what do you want me to share? And about a week ago, I was sharing a, uh, uh, another message about communication cave-ins. And all of a sudden, the Lord, I, I want you to share that. The reason is, this is a unique time. We're about to come into family and friend, and it's a unique opportunity to be around some that I know sometimes we joke about it. We can't wait till the, till the, till the Thanksgiving dinner's over and just go back to the house and watch football. We, we endure sometimes our family and friend. But I want you to get that enduring mindset off, and I want you to think and see how precious time is. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord's wanting to use you to mend a fence. Maybe He's wanting to use you to spearhead a conversation because life flows through communication. It doesn't matter what happens. There has to be some element of communication. Verbal, body language, written, whatever. There's got to be communication. It is the lifeline. And I started just praying, okay, Father, what, what do you want me to share? Uh, let me just say this. Don't you hate to be misunderstood? Have you ever stepped out to say something with the best of intentions and it was received wrong? Matter of fact, instead of being a blessing, it turned into being the opposite. And you're trying to backtrack and say, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. Well, we have that many times. Now, I thought I'd kind of start off. Whether, you're, whether you end up wasting your time or wasting money, sometimes being misunderstood is part of it. And we have to endure and say, wait, wait, that's not what I meant. Let me give you an example of about some companies that spent millions of dollars to enhance their company. This is supposed to be a major blessing for them, but something was lost in translation. Kentucky Fried Chicken had their slogan, they're ready to go, they're moving into the, into the China market, and that slogan about finger-licking goods somehow got reversed and it came out of eat your fingers off. And uh, that can mess up your sales. Well, in Italy, uh, Schweppes tonic water was wrongly translated into Schweppes toilet water. I don't think I'm buying any of that. In Taiwan, the translation of the Pepsi slogan, Come Alive with Pepsi Generation. It got a little twisted and says, Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the dead. Uh, well, I might take a case of that, but uh, many, there's nothing like being misunderstood or ignored. Because communication is our lifeline. So how do we improve it? How, have you ever heard that communication is a two-way street? Communication is a two-way street. Well, that's wrong. Not good communication. Because two-way street means this. It can travel both ways at the same time. And you cannot speak and listen at the same time. So what is the best example? It's, it's like a one-lane bridge where you're standing on one side and whoever you're talking to, your spouse, your, your friend, your employee, your boss, whatever, is on the other. And you have a sign. One side of it says stop, and the other side says go. You both can't be stopping, and you can't be going at the same time. It involves you giving permission for the other person to speak, and then making sure that the opposite happens as well. Well, let's look at what the Bible says about communication real quick. We're going to try to cover quite a bit in a short time, so you may just want to jot some of these down. James chapter 4 says this in verse 2, You have not because you ask not. Then in verse 3 it says, you have not because you ask amiss or with wrong motives. Now listen, this is speaking about how we're communicating with our Heavenly Father. We're praying for something and we don't get it because we didn't even ask. 
or maybe because we ask with wrong motives. Well, let me ask you, could that same thing maybe filter over in how we're communicating with our loved ones, with our spouse? Something's not quite going right? Well, I know obviously the first thing is, well, we're not my spouse, my friend. They're not God. And anytime I bring something up, they don't slam me for it. God loves me, but, but if I bring something up at the wrong time, man, we got, we got World War number 3 on. I understand that, but let's be careful, first of all, the very thing that we do control, and that's ourselves. The words in which we speak and how we speak them. All right, here's another verse, Colossians 3, verse 8. But now, I like it, but now you must put them all away. Listen to what it says to put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talking from your mouth. Man, that's about 80% of some people's conversation right there. Now, I've got to get rid of that, and I've got to substitute something else. Psalms 37 says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. Now, we can, we can begin to get our arms around that verse, especially as it pertains to ourselves. You know, that's why my kids love to hang at my feet, because I'm speaking wisdom and love. But, but something about on the other end of that verse, you know, it's like, but Lord, somehow if you and I could just help Mandy have that kind of wisdom and it's easy for us to get our hands around certain scriptures as we see it as it pertains to us. Beginning to walk it out for somebody else, you have to begin to give margin. You know, at the wedding this last weekend, it was so beautiful. The matriarch and the patriarch of the family right now are Uncle Harry and Aunt Nan. And they're just a beautiful couple. And as I'm talking with them both last night, especially Aunt Nan, we're just talking and she said that they've been married 62 years. 62 years, just beautiful couple. And I just ask her real quick, 62 years. Next year, Mandy and I will be 30, and, and we're not even halfway to where they're at. And I said, how did you do it? You know, just, just a quick little thing. She said, well, we learned to forgive, and we learned to talk it out. We learned to forgive a lot, and we learned to talk it out. Now, that latter part, talk it out, that's the problem, and that's the thing that we're wanting to deal with today because it depends on the tool set that you've been given on how you discuss and talk. Some of us have been given a bad set of tools. And every time we try to talk it out, man, there is a cave in. All right, Proverbs 20, 26, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. You may want to underline, circle, or write down the word fitly spoken. Fitly, meaning the right words at the right time. Here's a key. I know that the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I understand that having the word of God, not just in our head, but in our heart, is paramount. We must have the word. But speaking the word alone, there, it's important to know that there's a little bit of higher plane than just speaking the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what that is, speaking the word at the right time with the right heart. Or let me ask it this way. Has anybody ever used the word and kind of slapped you upside the head with it and quoted a scripture as they were doing it? Oh, yeah, we can, we can quote the word and we can fly. Well, you know what your problem is. And in Psalms, I don't want to hear that. And, you know, well, I know it's been tough, but don't grow weary in well-doing. You just want to lay hands on them in Jesus' name. <laughs> now, we have to be careful because it's not about having the right words. It's about also having the right timing. And the right timing is not when I feel it. It's perceiving, okay, Father, is, is this a good time to bring that up with Mandy? I'm going to talk about it later, about a technique that we have instituted so that we don't dominate each other, so that we try to set up our conversations up for success. I want to ask you a couple of questions, and I want you to be very honest with yourself. The first one's this. Do you want others to listen when you speak? 
The second, do you want others to value what you have to say? Then the third, are you willing to change or alter your communication style to achieve that goal? We, we want to make sure that we're valued. How many remember the old commercials of E.F. Hutton? You know, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Well, if you remember the example that in a restaurant, it's full of people. E.F. Hutton wasn't over in a corner yelling. He wasn't yelling real loud, and that's how he got everybody's attention. Matter of fact, if you remember, conversations going on, but when E.F. Hutton, when he began to speak, people turned and they listened. Why? Because he had influence. Now, it's important for us to understand that everybody wants to get to influence. I want to have words that influence others, but the structure of influence is built on the foundation of integrity. So you have to look at yourself. Am I a man or a woman of my word? When I've said something, did I, did I come through with it? Typically, people change their communication when they hurt enough that they have to, they learn enough that they want to, or they love enough they are empowered to. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in love that we may grow up in Christ. When we communicate out of our selfishness, many times we're trying to get a legitimate need met in an illegitimate way. I just want it. It hit my need factor. It hit my importance meter up to here, and I want it, so I express it. Even if it's something good, I may be doing it at the wrong time or the wrong way. We can only speak the truth to the degree we're willing to love. And we can only love to the degree that we're willing to speak the truth. Communication cave-ins. I grew up in southern Missouri. Anybody ever been up to Branson? Branson, okay, in the fall and the winter, it is just busload and busload of people going up to see the shows. But it's a, it's a beautiful area. The lakes are just gorgeous. But there's also something about all those Ozark Mountains that some people may not be aware of. If you've been to Silver Dollar City, you know there's a big cave there. Well, there are caves throughout southern Missouri. I grew up in a small town called Mansfield, Missouri. Our little claim to fame was Laura Ingle Wilder. Anybody ever remember the little house on the prairie? Well, she lived most of her life there, wrote about her childhood, but there's, there's a museum that Almanzo built in the house. It's all there. And if you've ever been to it, you may not realize that just across the road, about 200 yards down through the field, is Hicks Cave. Hicks Cave runs underneath my small town. It was rumored that if you go far enough in there, if you'll keep pushing, going far enough in there, there is an underground cave with albino fish. When I was in sixth grade, Van Cody, Joe Quick, Ronnie Barnum, called Bear, and myself, we set out on an adventure. It was like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. It started off with a, with a, with a lie to our parents. We're all going to each other's house, but we are loaded up with flashlights. We each had about three flashlights each. We had lunches. We had snacks. And we are on an adventure. We are going to go back, and we're going to bring back one of those albino fish. Now, remember, I'm talking about communication cave-ins. The very first thing is you go into this cave, it's wide open, and it's easy, you walk right in, and it's, and it's kind of neat, everything's there, but as, we, as you walk in, that's where you see Johnny loves Susie, you know, Bobby was here, everybody's signing it, and there's something about the entrance of the cave which is so easy, you're in the cave, but all you got to do is turn around, there's the light, there's the exit. I'm talking about superficial conversations here. You know, how about them cowboys? No, that's actually pretty deep. Let's go over. That's oh, I see. Mm, mm. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that superficial conversation. It's easy. We're in the cave, but right there's the exit. I can get out of this thing so quick. 
If you really want to go after some deep things and have that reward that is in there in a, in a strong relationship, whether it's marriage, friendship, within your job, it's going to t- take and require some sacrifice. We came prepared because as soon as you get in, there's where Johnny loves Susie and everybody signed that they were here, but now you've got to pick which one of these shafts that you want to go down. And, and we, we picked the one that we wanted to go. And if you look over, though, there's some of, some of them that were kind of boarded up, you know, danger. And, and you go over there, and there's a sign above it. And, and, and you look at it, and you start wiping the dust off, and there it is, M-O, and you, mother-in-law. You don't go down that shaft. We don't talk. I'm talking about communication, and what I'm saying is usually in the very, in the very beginning when you walk into the cave, it's safe and it's easy. But all of a sudden, if you start looking around, and if you start looking around in your own mind right now in your own life, are there areas in your life, especially maybe with your spouse, with a friend, that when you look, there's some shafts that are boarded up. We do not talk about that. We don't go down that. It's boarded up danger. And at the top of it may be money. It may be religion. It may be whatever. Money. Kids. We don't go down there. If we go down that path, we got to whisper. Because it does not take much to have a cave-in. What happens is we board up all these things and we go nowhere. We spend our life with superficial conversation. Sometimes we even do that with our Heavenly Father. Superficial. Come in on the weekend. I rejoice. I feel good. And then I go. And then I come back to get that feel good. I sign, Stan was here. I sit right over here. I sit right there. But we're not going very deep. And the Lord said, there's treasures if you'll keep coming. Let me tell you, as Van, Cody, and Joe Quick, they were the smaller, at least at that time, and this time in life they're not, but we're going to go with the story. When they were sixth grade, they were the smaller guys. Bear and I were, the, were, the, were a little bit larger. No, we're sixth grade. We're not that big, but we are pushing it. We're going deep into this cave to the point where we no longer see any, any writings. No one was where we went. Even to the point where there's a university up in Rolla that they sent some individuals down to excavate the cave. And you go certain places and they would hammer these nails in with these little tags. And, and they had codes on them as they're kind of mapping it out. Well, listen, they didn't anticipate some little bitty guys going as far as we did. We went to the point where you didn't see any more tags. We went to the point, we went almost six hours deep into this as it goes back under our town. There were multiple times where maybe about 15, 20 feet, and we are, uh, I mean, we're wadded over, we're in water to here, about this much of air between the ceiling, and Joe Quick would go, go around the corner, does it get any bigger? Yeah, it opens up. So we would, we would make it, and man, these rooms would be beautiful. And then we'd push it and we'd go on. We'd push it and we'd go on. I'm telling you, if you learn to push it in your communication, you're going to come into some places that are absolutely beautiful. But it's going to cost you. We had to get muddy. We had to get wet. We had to fight fear. We had to fight, well, what, what, what if something happens? You get into communication. If you want to go deep into communication, you've got to open up your heart and all of a sudden that risk being hurt. They may not, especially when it comes to our spouse, they know the hot buttons. The, the wonderful, intimate part that Mandy and I have in our communication also gives her the opportunity. She can easily hurt me with her words if she wanted to. And I could do her the same. The problem is I did that more often than I realized early on in our marriage. The reason is because 
my mind is already out there thinking of multiple things. I've already into the second quarter of the Cowboys game. I'm already thinking where we're going to eat. I'm already that. I mean, I'm already thinking things. And, and, and if I'm not careful, especially when it comes to a little sarcasm, I can end up saying things just quick, just quick. She says something and I'm quick and it's a jab. And then I see the pain come on her face and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no victory flag going up on that stance. When we argue, if we're not careful, we're going to jump into some things and we're not going to be able to cover it all, but I want to give you some of the tools that help, that are going to equip you to make your communication better. Well, we're going back into that cave and we get to the point where all of a sudden we've done this multiple times and we realize this is so cool. Nobody has ever been here. And then all of a sudden we're back in there and the ground begins to rumble. Now, our little town, they've had cave-ins in the parking lot of grocery stores because the cave goes underneath there. All of a sudden, our mind starts getting into fear. We think, that's the train. We're back underneath somewhere underneath the town, and we start a panic. All of us are down to about one flashlight, maybe a flashlight and a half, and we still got to go back. We've eaten our food. You know, we ate that probably in the main area. Uh, we're done. Now we got to go back, and as we go back, there's a couple of places where things split. And we came up to one, Barnum and I said this way, our bear and I, and, and, and Van and Joe said, go this way. And we're like, what do we do? Because, see, this is a life and death type of situation now. Have you ever had that conversation? Where all of a sudden it's extremely important, at least to you, and it's not going the way you want? What do you do to get your way? What do you do to get your way? And is your way the right way? Well, we had, uh, we had a lot to learn in that. I will finish the story. Sometimes I tell that to other individuals. Did you ever see the underground lake? And did you ever bring out an albino fish? I'm not telling you. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. But we, we had a tremendous time in there. Anything of value is going to require sacrifice. How bad do you want it? Now listen, I'm not talking about lowering your values. I'm also not telling you can ever express your heart. But when a problem in communication occurs, there is, and it's not dealt with. Communication is a lifeline. If it doesn't pick up, a spiral begins to happen. It could be miscommunication, a lack of communication, or no communication. It can be intentional or unintentional. To be honest, it doesn't matter. If communication stops, there's a spiral that begins to set in. The very first step in that spiral is imagination. I'll give you this hypothetical. Let's say that you got a 16-year-old daughter, and she's just now getting uh, to drive the car, uh, and uh, you've got a curfew. It's a Friday night. She has to be back at 11 o'clock, at 11 p.m., or 11 a.m. Is that when we... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> 11 p.m., and now all of a sudden, it's two minutes after 11. Two minutes after 11. What's, what's going through your mind? Oh, she's grounded. This is it. <laughs> She's going to give me the keys. Uh, she knows the rules. We set it out. She's grounded. That's typically where you might. Yes, she's, I mean, you're waiting for her to pull up just two minutes late. Give me the keys. This is what's going to happen. Uh, and that's where your mind's at. But now let's all of a sudden shift to about 1130. No text, no phone call. 30 minutes late. You're not just talking about grounding. Now you've probably shifted into anger. Where is she? What's going on? Possibly. Meaning because you go from imagination, and we know the Bible says, think on these things, whatever. I mean, all these fluffy flower things that we need to be focusing our thought on, but you have a 16-year-old daughter that is 30 minutes late, hadn't texted you, hadn't called you, there is no communication. The lifeline's cut and the suffocation begins, and you start imagining, you're fighting off negative things. Come on now, you put yourself in that position. Where's she at? What's going on? What's happening to her? 
Who's, got, who's with her? 30 minutes. You'll go from imagination into frustration and quickly into elimination. Now, elimination can take off onto a lot of different facets. You eliminate feelings, fear sets in. You know, this is where sometimes in the home, in a marriage, you can go from that imagination, frustration to elimination. You still have the rings on. You still live in a house. But you lost unity, and now you're just living in union. We're just together. But we've lost the unity because I was hurt because of something that was said. And we boarded up those walls. We look at our house and all of a sudden we don't talk about this, that. We don't talk about anything in those areas. All we talk about is superficial things to the point where we've stayed together, but our relationship is not very deep. You realize you could be brought up in church and attend church for 15, 20, 30, 40 years and have a superficial relationship with your Heavenly Father? And He's sitting there, come, come. I want to talk to you. I want to show you things. I have a purpose for your life. I know life has thrown you a lot of different things, but if you listen to me, if you come into me, I'm going to help you navigate around some of those things. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me show it to you. Let me unveil it to you. Come in. But it's going to, it's going to cost you. The first thing it costs is some of our selfishness. All right. How we communicate. This is about identifying our style. The first two are pretty simple, and I'm just going to ask you kind of which, which way you lean. And this is A, a loudspeaker or soft-spoken. Now, don't, don't elbow, don't raise your hand per se, but if you are in a room and, and uh, you know, when we go home and you're sitting there in your living room, are you typically a loudspeaker or are you a soft-spoken? Now, I'm not saying anything negative or bad initially. You know, if we're looking at the extreme of something, a loud person, they can be seen as, as overbearing, maybe even obnoxious. Now, the over-extreme of somebody that, that uh, is soft-spoken could be, could be uh, uh, shy, timid, even fearful. They're, they like to just avoid things. Those are the extremes. But I'm going to ask you real quick, where do you kind of lean? Now, the second step is this. And I know where we need to, de- to be, but I'm going to ask you, do you lean more to being a positive speaker or a negative speaker? Are you loud? But boy, if you're just talking about... I, I have family members that I love them, but boy, the first, first five minutes of a conversation is, is filling me in on who passed away and what's going... It's like, oh, let's talk about something joyous. Now again, I'm, I'm extreme positive, and I've had, to, I've had to learn to deal with that. That sounds wonderful. It's a, it's a party 24-7. It's wonderful. But at least it's wonderful in my mind, and you know, that's where we're all at right now. Uh, <laughs> but the problem with, with mine that I've had to, I've had to deal with, especially with Mandy to, to help me, is somebody that is extreme positive doesn't always like to fully confront things. And uh, if we're dealing with the problem, and Fonte, you give me the thumbs up, we're good to go. We're good to go. Let's hug it out and move on. And he gave me the halfway thumbs up. He's not really ready. I, you know, somebody with extreme positive carries Band-Aids around for everything. Little cuts, paper cut, you know, heart surgery. We'll put a Band-Aid on. No, some things require a little bit more to go deeper. I've had to push myself in that area. I've had to push myself in that area. We have to be careful for it. Our bend, positive, negative. Now listen, I'm not talking about in your discussion. You could be a positive person that is dealing with a topic that sounds negative, but you're sharing it based on facts. The problem is when we deviate and get away from the Word of God. What does the Bible say that should be coming out? Now, I had to be careful in my communication because I got to the point where I didn't want to hear anything negative. Now, that is a good tent, but what it was also, it didn't always get, allow room for just, just what's going on so I could better understand how to fit it. 
Or let me give you an example like this. I firmly believe that the Word of God is the only thing that's ever going to get you through. It's the only thing that lasts forever. It's the foundation. If you came up to me and we're in the altar and you said, I've got a financial need, bless God, buy I mean, we're, we're quoting Scripture. My God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory. If it's healing, by His stripes. You know, I, I, I feel lost in life. There's a plan. I'll go down and I'll give you a verse. Which is what you need? But the Lord said, Stan, I need you to take a step back and I need you for a moment just to be quiet and listen. What he started doing was giving me an element of empathy where you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. This is what I wrote down. I told Mandy several years ago, the Lord has done this within me for a moment. Now, I no longer just hear somebody's problem, but I feel their pain. And now instead of just quickly giving a verse that I know that you need, you've got to have a foundation, it helps me to connect with an individual. Because this next three, this is what we're going to kind of wrap up with right here, and we'll see where we can go. We talked about how loud or positive. Those are the typical things that the way we speak. But now all of a sudden, this is where we get into finding out the tool bag that you carry around in your communication style. The very worst one is the shaft that people go down and that they communicate in this, and that the top of it is controlling. Controlling. It is by far the worst avenue of communication. It's supported by two primary pillars, and that is demanding and declaring. Now, we can talk about anything if you want to go down this path as long as it's about me and it's what I like. Does anybody know anybody that is similar to that? As long as you're talking about something they like to talk about, it's all good. You say anything contrary to what they like, what they believe, and we're going to have a cave-in. They're demanding. They dictate. It's the worst style of communication, especially when you lock arms and you're bringing your spouse down that tunnel. You're dragging your kids down that tunnel of dictating, demanding. You're teaching them that, that don't ever even express your thought, don't ever even articulate what, you, what you're even thinking. Unless you're in agreement, then we're all thumbs up. It's the worst area. And I think every now and then we take a, maybe a, a step over in that. But most people don't live there. There are a few, and I think we can identify some in our life. But the middle one, this is the one that we've been ingrained. This is the one that, that, that by default most people live in. Even as little bitty kids when they grow up, that when they grow up, our sin nature dictates a little bit of this. So we have to deviate and get away from it. But the, the first one is controlling. The second one is convincing. Convincing. And the two pillars that support that are attack and defend. Attack and defend. This, we, we become, we become etern, uh, attorneys in court cases on every little thing. I'm not talking about major issues. I'm talking about even, even what movie you want to go see, what restaurant. You know, after, I love it when individuals say, uh, you know, like after church, and um, you, what do you want to go eat? It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. So, well, let's go eat it. No, I'm not, we're not eating there. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care. Really. I don't, no, we're not going there either. Uh, I mean, we say that, and we've been conditioned to this attack and defend and convincing to the point where it gets out of control. All we do is attack and defend. I, I'll talk with young couples in pre-marriage, and I always love them. I, I talk about, tell me about, uh, tell me about an argument or a fight you had. I love it when some of them will say, we, <laughs> we've never had an argument. I said, that is horrible. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about having a break, you know, a fight, but I'm talking about have, have you had any, any area where you've, you've uh, had a disagreement? 
Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, we have. We've had uh, several of those. Well, wonderful. How did you get to a resolution? What happened there? Because I like to dive deeper because just saying we got a resolution could be putting a Band-Aid on a very open wound. And I have had a few that is a, oh, oh, uh, we, just, we, just, we just came to an agreement and moved on. Uh, okay, wonderful. How did you come to that agreement? And what I identified was a pattern. And sometimes I'll, I'll say it like this. Hey, let me ask you this. The last restaurant that you, you, you know, as a couple you went to, who made the decision? Okay. What about the last movie you went to? Who made that decision? Great. What about the, the other restaurant after that and the other movie after that and the other restaurant after that? All of a sudden, I'm having them come up with this glare. Well, he did. He did. He did. He did. He did. Or she did. What happens is a pattern. I've said, Alexa, how long are you going to do that? How long are you, going to, how long are you just going to be submissive? That's, that's a warped submissive if you never get to choose anything. What, so you started as a young couple just boarding everything up. I'm not going to express my heart. I'm not going to express my feeling. We're just going to do whatever you want because he's all wise. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you do not have a way to bring something up, the only way for it to be brought up is for it to blow up. That is the problem in most people's in, uh, communication style. And I tell, tell this, and this is where Mandy and I kind of shared a little bit of what we've learned. We've learned uh, you know, from a lot of our mistakes. But most individuals fight to finally get a date night. They fight to get a date night. It's like, oh, okay, the stars have aligned, and we finally got a date night, and you're out there enjoying a wonderful movie. Uh, I mean, a wonderful dinner, and it's going so great. And then all of a sudden, one of you, because you have no other time. This is, you've been fighting to just to get some time together, and you finally come up with a word, and you want to talk about something deep and heavy, and, and you end up killing an exploding date night. You know, what are, what are, what are we going to do about crazy Uncle Larry? Where do we I don't want to talk about crazy Uncle Larry. Let's just talk about nothing. The problem is we don't have a system where we're set up. Uh, I don't know how many people like golf, turn it, TPC, Tournament Players Championship, but Mandy and I uh, adapted this for time, place, content. Time, place. We got it from uh, Dr. Bob Barnes, who we, we used to have come in and do parenting seminars, him and his wife, and both of them were Christian uh, psychologists, and they had a radio station. What they were doing was they would go down on a Thursday and record all weeks, all five sessions. What he realized was his wife was setting them up to have good conversation. She would say things like, oh, hey, when we drive down on Thursday, let's talk about this. Oh, hey, when we go down on Thursday, let's talk about this. What she was doing was avoiding what I call the hallway conversations. There was no more pulling up. What's this $100 ATM? Now, all of a sudden, we've gone to attack and defend. Attack and defend. And when you set up a time like that, you're not calling somebody into the principal's office. No one lords over each other. Mandy and I started trying to develop these times in our date. Number one, we tried to start putting some things off limits in our date night. Off limits. Our date night, we just want to look in each other's eyes. We just want to talk about nothing. But we also started having what we called a deep night. Now, we didn't have that every other day and, you know, treat it like a summit. We don't come out until we have the answers of life. No, we, we would also only allow one thing, one thing on the agenda. I could only bring one thing she could. We, we had a conversation. Our son's sitting right there, and we talked about, hey, uh, this, I remember this is last spring or whatever. Hey, when we take a walk this week, we need to talk. Brady's changing his, um, uh, his degree in college, and let, let's just talk about that. We talk about uh, our daughter. We talk about, our fr we talk about a lot of different things, but we try to set it up for success because if the enemy can get in your conversation, number one, and just suck the life out of it by not even having it because you boarded everything up, 
all you do is stand in the main entrance and you got that easy exit because I can still see the light. I'm talking about going so deep into your conversation and your relationship that you've seen things other people don't see. You paid a price to be intimate and closer with your friend or with your spouse or whatever. You've, you've paid a price to the point where you do hear a rumbling. There is no quick exit because you're invested into that relationship. The problem is many times we want that quick exit. Why do we want that? Because nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to feel pain. I don't want to get close to somebody for them just to hurt me. You know, I remember saying the phrase, I was talking with a young man and going into ministry, and he's like, man, how do you, how do, you do it? How do you, how do you be open and loving and care for somebody but not get hurt? I said, well, you've got to have a soft heart and a hard shell. And there is no way to have them both at the same time without the help of the Holy Spirit. You're either open and you, you get run over or you have a hard shell and I don't care about anybody. You can't live life like that. The only way is, Father, you show me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Now it's not about having the answers. It's about the third area and this is what we'll close with. The worst is controlling. The one that is our default is about convincing. We go back into that so quick. I just want to convince you that I'm right. And it'd be so easy if you just get on board with all my decisions, Mandy, because the verse said I've got a lot of wisdom. Just, what about her? What about the other? You know, we're, we're, we're a body fitly joined together. And it helps us from having blind spots. The best area is this, connecting. The supporting beams in connecting are listening and learning. Now, I could go down this way. I used to listen. I was pretty good at listening, but it's more like an attorney. I was listening for information to use it against you. <laughs> yeah, come on now. We've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. That's what I need. No, I'm listening not just to hear the words, but I'm listening because I'm trying to hear her heart. I'm trying to hear the why, because the why is what's attached to the value. And that's really what I want to hear. I have 12 steps that I could give you real quick. They're a lot of fun. 12 communication skills that will make a difference. And, and we'll save that for another time. But as we close, I want to do this. You close your eyes real quick. And I want to ask you. This is a special time and a special season that you may be around family and friends. That you will not be around them for maybe another extended period of time. It's a special time where we gather together. And I want to ask you. Is there somebody that has said something to you that has deeply hurt you. Some of the deepest wounds come from those that we love, those that we allowed into our life. Has somebody said something to you, their words hurt you, and you're still walking and dealing with that pain even today? If you're hearing that, you just raise your hand up and put it right back down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now I want to ask the tougher one. Have you said some words that you wish you could have pulled back in? I wish I did not say them. Are you here and you said some words that you know hurt? You said it out of your own pain. You've justified the reason why you said it, but deep down, you know the pain that it caused, you know the split that is there, and you wish you could take them back. Is anybody here? Slip your hand up, put it, yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Father, we come before you this morning. We fully understand, even as you gave us the example of our communication with you. You said it's that still, small voice. That, that implies we need to get in an atmosphere of peace. Father, there's individuals right here that have been wounded by some words and they've been walking around with it to the point where some have taken those words and not only felt pain, but it's become a part of their identity. They may have even started believing in the lie that was spoken over them. And Father, I speak against that lie. I speak against that, that they're never going to amount to something or you need to be more like or whatever it was that the enemy intended. Father, I, I speak against that. Lord, at the same time, there's other individuals that are here that, that many of us have spoken words that, Lord, again, we justified it out of our own pain, but we said some things that hurt others. And in this regard, if you're here and many of you raise your hand, I just ask you where you're seated, just say, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. We're going into another unique, fun family time, not a time of regret, but this season, Father, has us turn our hearts and our minds toward you and we have so much to be thankful for and father what the meaning of christmas all these things lord we don't want to go into it with baggage those that ask forgiveness for words spoken there's one other thing that i want you to do and i want you to go before the lord and i want you just to ask him he may have said you are forgiven i love you and don't carry that around anymore but he also may be saying this now i want you to go make restitution if the Lord tells you to take some steps, I want you to take those steps. Father, we thank you. We turn over and we give our tongues to you, Father. We give our minds to you, Lord. I, I want to be the best dad, the best husband. I want to be the best friend. Father, so many of those things begin with the words that I speak over my wife, my kids, my friends. Father, let me speak words of life. Lord, I just thank you that as we learn to improve our communication, there are things that we never thought possible in relationships that we're going to begin to see. In Jesus' name, amen.